Welcome, I'm Larry Olson, and what's on your mind? Once set, it delivers your life. To change the outcomes we want, we must change the plays we're running. Join us at Mindset Playbook with real people, real talk, for real insight. Today's episode is sponsored by Apernio, an achievement acceleration company whose approach to professional development enables clients to gain insights and perspectives to live, work, and engage with more success. Well, welcome everyone to Mindset Playbook, and I want to thank you for taking the time to put that headset on or the radio or whatever medium you're using to get a little more insight into how to make our lives functions more smoothly and um, always becoming more prosperous. Today, we're very fortunate to have our guest, Dr. Terry Maffey, one of the premier plastic surgeons in Scottsdale. He's acquired years of advanced training after completing his plastic surgery fellowship training at the world-renowned Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. Dr. Maffey is in high demand due to his focused passion for his work and a genuinely warm and caring personality, consistently delivering safe and outstanding surgical results for his patients from all around the world. It's it's a real honor to have him today. Uh, He is unlike any doctor I've seen. Not only is he at the top of his game, but he is just so darn personal that you, you really feel like you're in good hands. Recognizing the value of higher education, Dr. Maffey dedicates time to instructing future plastic surgeons. As director of the Resident Aesthetic Surgery Clinic and assistant professor with the Mayo Clinic Arizona, he mentors plastic surgery residents on the complexities of aesthetic surgery and surgical techniques. And check this out. A few of his honors and awards include the Global Judge for My Face, My Body Awards out of Australia, Judge for My Face, My Body Awards in the United States, Top Doctor in Plastic Surgery, Phoenix Magazine, Patient's Choice Award, that's one of the highest accolades that you can get is have your patients love you, and that was from the America's Top Plastic Surgeons, Excellence in Teaching from Mayo Clinic College of Medicine, Surgical Resident of the Year, and finally, if that wasn't enough, Ambassador of Medical Ethics Award. Dr. Maffey, with all of the awards you've accumulated through the years, the prestige you hold as one of the best in your field, and the most bodacious work ethic you employ, what is it about your profession that keeps you enthusiastically coming back day after day? Thank you very much for all that. That's very uh, very kind of you. Um, it's, you know, it, it's by far the people. Um, you know, I love I I love operating. I love doing procedures, but that would be, in my opinion, very mundane if I didn't have the people that I work with, um, and that's my staff, the patients, the residents, the medical students that I work with. Um, most of my staff, I've been in practice over 15 years, and most of my staff has been with me since the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are providers, administrative people, um, so they're, they're really like family. I mean, they know my kids, they know my wife, I know their spouses, their kids, and it's been really a fun journey 
growing my practice with these individuals. Um, it's just been quite an experience. Wow. And the patients. I mean, you know, a lot of people joke and they think that, you know, plastic surgery patients are so demanding and, and just wear you out. And really, that's, I mean, of course, every once in a while you have people that may be kind of like that. Mm-hmm. But what, I mean, most of my patients are wonderful. I mean, a lot of them, they are, I mean, they're almost like work family. I mean, they come in on a, you know, on a regular basis, not getting surgery, of course, but I mean, they come in, they get skincare. So I'll see them in the office here and there, or they'll come in for something else, or they'll bring in their friends or their family. And, and so we see them on a semi-routine basis and it's great. And, you know, you, you kind of get to know them, you get to know their family, you know, what their kids are doing. And it's just, you know, plastic surgery is a different, it's a little more unique compared to most, you know, medical practices. I mean, there's just a lot of more socialization, I think. It's, mm. it's more of an intimate, um, type atmosphere. And there's a lot more kind of visiting that goes on. Um, yeah. and so you, you know, so almost, you know, you never just go in, sit down, ask them how they're doing, do an exam and leave. There's always some degree of, of conversation, which I love. I mean, that's the thing is I talk too much and I'm always, you know, I'm usually running behind because I chit chat too much, um, but I don't care because that, that's what keeps me going. Yeah. Um, and then there's the residents. I love working with the residents. So I trained at Mayo Clinic in Minnesota, and they sent us they they sent us down to Phoenix to uh, do a cosmetic rotation with a a pretty uh, world renowned plastic surgeon here in town who's since retired. And uh, so now I'm doing that for the Mayo Clinic residents here. So they so Mayo Clinic Arizona sends their residents to my clinic to get some aesthetic experience, both in surgery, uh, skincare, injections, laser, all that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, so typically I have a resident with me full time and they're great. Mm-hmm. And I learned stuff from them. I mean, you know, I've been in practice, like I said, over 15 years and we'll be doing something and they'll say, well, have you ever tried to do it this way? Like, you know, no, I haven't. So, I mean, I've, I've actually, tra- you know, changed some of my little, you know, little techniques based on just, you know, f- you know feedback. Yeah. Um, and they are tomorrow's physicians. I love that. Um, okay. And I mean, they're excited. They're, um, they're diligent. They, um, they're very, you know, just full of energy. Um, and so it just, I mean, it just adds a whole new kind of level of energy um, to my practice. You know, and a lot of, a lot of medicine <clears throat> begins to develop particular processes that are so effective. Mm-hmm. I mean, from the discovery of if we washed our hands, our patients might live a little longer, yeah. right, from a disease control. Mm-hmm. And it's gotten so sophisticated now that in, in many fields, once the process gets into play and it works, it's hard to deviate from it. So what do you think it is about you and your teachings that keep these people that are recognized that there are certain procedures and yet to keep the creativity in there to be able to see new ideas and be open to those? How do you keep from, how do you allow yourself to break away from these processes that are absolutely fail safe mm-hmm. to be open to trying new things? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, Surgery is de- is definitely it's all technique. I mean, there is a certain way to do a facelift, and you have to kind of follow that algorithm. Okay. Um, but if you don't step out of the box and look at you know look at the results or look at how things are coming together during the procedure, if you don't step back and look at that and really kind of um, critique it, 
then I don't think you're really pushing, pushing yourself as much as you should in order to kind of, you know, kind of achieve that next level. Gotcha. And so that's, that's typically what I do. I, I have that algorithm in my mind and I follow that, but I'm always kind of stepping back a little bit and reevaluating and, um, and kind of deciding, uh, you know, big, you know, with that particular person, you know, different kind of, you know, aesthetic, you know, angles that could, you know, that could change the outcome. Okay. All right. You know, one of the, one of the fascinations I have with what you do in another life, I would like to be doing what you do because they say the number one fear of man is rejection. Mm -hmm. And what we do is we go through our life to make sure that doesn't happen because it doesn't feel good. So that means that having validation and and acceptance is, is really critical. And here you have one of the most important features in a human being's life, and that's what the reflection they get back when they look in that mirror. And every one of us already has an opinion of ourselves as to whether we're attractive, homely, what our nose could be, or whatever that idiosyncrasy could be. Years ago, back in the 60s, I was in a laundromat and going to college and doing my laundry, and there was a book there which absolutely changed my life. It was Dr. Maxwell Marks, Maltz's, excuse me, Psychocybernetics. And he was a plastic surgeon. And he had a patient where he botched the nose job. And he did everything he could to try to make it right. But he knew this is not going to be good. So he kept delaying the patient's removal of the um, tape and oh, the, you splint. Know, the splint and whatnot because he knew it was going to happen. So finally, he couldn't put it off any longer, and he removed it, and she said, do you have a mirror? Because he didn't want to bring a mirror in. He says, as a matter of fact, I do, and she looked in the mirror, and she goes, I'm beautiful. So the concept was all about perception, that even though you may have a particular perception of how it went, what have you noticed in that concept when when you're dealing with patients? And the reveal kind of takes place. And I know it takes a little longer than just yeah. split second. But what are some of the experiences you've had with your perception versus their perception? Well, it's interesting that you say that. I mean, I always I always try and see my patients the very next day. Um, so I do a lot of facelifts, and they don't really have a dressing on per se. But okay. um, any kind of breast work, they always have a dressing on. And... Um, they could probably just take it off at home, but I want to be there with them when they take it off so that I can kind of, you know, kind of, you know, walk them through it. Okay. Um, cause quite frankly, um, after you have a surgical procedure, whether it's a tummy tuck or a breast augmentation or a facelift, things don't, I mean, with all the bruising, and the swelling, things don't look good. Um, okay. yeah. and so there's, that's why there's a lot of reassurance that goes on. And that's why I, so I you kind of coach them, coach through them it. through it. Yes. Especially facial. Um, like I said, I do a lot of facial surgery, a lot of laser laser basically is lasering off the top layer of skin. It's bloody, it's weepy, it's crusty. It does not look good. And it's really hard to get patients to realize it's going to, there is, <laughs> there is hope. Um, so I see my patients very, very frequently and kind of walk them through things okay. and just make sure they understand this is normal. And on the flip side, if things aren't looking good, I want to make sure that I catch that early on gotcha. and help you know, help, you know, correct it if possible. Okay. What fantastic insights we are getting into in this episode. If this resonates with you and is provoking and of value, 
please consider the best-selling book of Get a Vision and Live It by your host, Larry Olson, at Apernio.com. His book has been an inspiration to many of Mindset Playbook's guests, and you'll find everything you need to live the best version of your life now. The results you'll get will absolutely amaze you. Find the book at Apernio.com in the shop. And now, let's get back. You won't want to miss what's to come in this episode of Mindset Playbook. All right. Um, there is a lot of there are a lot of people that think there's so much vanity and ego involved in someone going and taking what nature has put together for them and yeah. saying this is who you are, and then making that transition. How do you react to that? It's funny. A lot of patients come in. They say, "Oh, I'm, I'm, they apologize for for being vain. I'm so, I'm so sorry for being vain." I said, "Well." Vanity keeps kind of keeps things going around here, you know, so I'm okay with that. Um, but a lot of people come in, especially for facial stuff, and they and they 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 told themselves when they were younger, I'll never do anything. I am gonna age gracefully, and here I am. Wow. Um and if I mean, and the thing is you see so much overdone plastic surgery. You know, celebrities, you know, yeah. in town, Scott's still kind of known for a lot of plastic surgery. Um, but the goal is, is to look better for your age and gotcha. just look refreshed. Yeah. And if that's, you know, I mean, really it's, it's, it's completely a different level, but people who color their hair, get their teeth whitened, um, just little things like that. You do yeah. things to, you know, to improve your appearance. And I think if you are happy with your appearance, it makes you feel good. Yeah. Um, so again, and, and that's kind of a basic thing you learn in plastic surgery training is, you know, you have to make sure patients understand having plastic surgery is not going to change your life. It's not going to get you a better job. It's not going to get you a new husband or a new wife. That's not going to happen. And, you know, that seems rather obvious, but in some cases that happens, but it is, you know, it does help, you know, it does help with your self-esteem, you know? Yeah, and, uh, and that, and I love that. I love it when people come in and they are just thrilled. Uh, and they just, they're like, there's, um, I mean, they're just, they're not that the work was that great, but I mean, yeah. they're just so happy that, you know, that they look, you know, that they look like themselves, they look normal. They just look better and refreshed. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. You know, <clears throat> I'm going to reveal this to the public, but years and years ago I had drooping eyelids mm -hmm. and, and I always looked like sleepy or whatever that yeah. dwarf's name is. Oh yeah. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and I didn't want to turn into grumpy either, yep. but it was bothering me. And then I heard about you. Mm -hmm. And I think what impressed me the most was you really wanted to know what I was looking for. Mm -hmm. It wasn't what here's what I'm going to do. You made it about me. You made it unique to me. And I think this is what is so unique about you is, and what is so great about people that are able to do that as I felt like you developed your whole practice just for me hmm. where I've been to doctors before and it's in a hurry and they don't have yeah. a lot of time. And, and they're saying the same thing they say to the patient they just had. And you don't feel like anything other than a number. Yeah. And it's a critical thing when people are messing with your yeah. psyche because it's more than just your face. Mm -hmm. It's what your face represents to you. And I want to, I want everybody to know that no one ever said, did you get an eye job? Yeah. 
people just said, you look so refreshed. Right. You know, I mean, it, did you take a vacation? I mean, mm-hmm. have you lost weight? They don't know how to explain it. Yeah. So I thank you for that. And I think that the reason I wanted you on the podcast is because of your humanness. Mm-hmm. And that is such a lost art. Where do you think yours came from to recognize not only how important it is to care for a patient, but absolutely being able to implement it without coming across as non-authentic? Yeah. I mean, I, I've always been, I've always been a personal person. Um, even when you're little? Yeah, I always have been. Um, you know, and even when I was a child, my parents socialized a lot. They had a lot of friends over, a lot of, a lot of get togethers, and I would always interact and, and I was always comfortable just talking to people. Right. And so obviously that's carried on to adulthood life. Um, and, and again, that's that kind of goes back to the people. I love talking to my patients. And when a patient comes in, typically rather than just coming in and getting escorted into an exam room and getting the exam chair, we typically, I mean, I like to meet with patients in my office where it's a more comfortable, less, you know, vulnerable atmosphere and get to know that individual. Mm. Um, you know, and just because that's to me, that's important. And get to know them, what their, you know, what their desires are, what bothers them, and really kind of understand you know, how things have progressed, you know, especially if somebody comes in with heavy eyelids, if they had full eyelids when they were young, that's their natural feature. So Uh, I need to know that. So I don't, you know, change their appearance. I mean, so people can have a little fullness, but not droopiness. So, um, or, or some people, they really want it more tapered because that's what they used to be. So looking at pictures when they were younger, that all helps. Um, and, and that's the thing is I kind of joke with patients, you know, I mean, what I do and with my trained eye, I can recommend a hundred things on probably everybody because, sure. you know, it's all yeah. gravity and, you know, <laughs> everyone would all, you know, benefit from something because everything's just falling with time, but it's really, it's what bothers you. you sure. Know? Yeah. And, um, and I've known plastic surgeons and, you know, the patient comes in for their eyes and he says, what about that nose? <laughs> you know, that's, not yeah, that's not you, right? <laughs> no, no, that is not me at all. Have you ever thought of bringing that one ear in a little tighter right, to your exactly, head? Exactly. Now, no, I will. I mean, if they ask and if, if, you know, if there is something that's, you know, if they want a lot of stuff done, there's one little thing that I think would really just kind of, you know, kind of really add to the overall result. I'll say, did you ever think of doing, you know, this? And if they're like, no, it doesn't bother me at all. Okay. End of conversation. Yeah. Yeah. But if they're like, oh, I never really thought about that. What do you think? And then we'll kind of continue the conversation. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, but it's, you know, it's kind of like everything else. It's just low pressure, you know, whatever, whatever they want. So how, how, it, it, this is probably obvious, but uh, were you always good academically when you were growing up? Yeah, pretty much. And, and you yeah. had an interest yeah. in learning. Yeah, my father was a dentist, so okay. my 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 plan was to go to dental school, become a dentist, take over his practice. We grew up in Northern California, right. Sacramento okay. Valley. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, in college, uh, basically started doing kind of the went, went you know pre med and pre dental kind of very similar courses in the beginning. Okay. And, you know, soon enough, I just figured, you know, if I'm going to do this, if I'm going to be, you know, become a professional in healthcare, I, I think I'd rather be a physician. Um, okay. And so that's when I kind of uh, switched gears. So you hadn't, but no, I've always, you hadn't specialized at that point yeah, yet? Yeah, no, I was still just an undergrad. Okay. So I've always been academically inclined. Okay. Yeah. So how, where did the decision come to get into a, a cosmetic? Cosmetic. 
Well, I mean, if you look at plastic surgery, um, cosmetic surgery or cosmetic medicine is just a very small percentage of what plastic surgeons do. Okay. There's reconstruction for breast cancer, for, for cancers, there's facial fractures, hand surgery, nerve surgery. Um, there's a whole host of things. Um, and when I was a general surgery resident, I rotated, um, on the plastic surgery, um, rotation and there was no cosmetics at all. It was all reconstruction and burn, burn victims. As burns, well. Yep. Yep. Okay. Exactly. So I was basically that rotation was at a County hospital and that was the wow. regional burn center, lots and lots of facial fractures. And that's where I really kind of fell in love with all the facial procedures. Mm. Um, it's fun. You have, you literally are just kind of peeling back the skin and you're putting all the bones back together like a puzzle and then putting little tiny baby plates and screws in there. And it was really cool. For heaven's sake. And so I did a lot of that. And again, really got to know the anatomy and I never really imagined becoming a cosmetic, you know, you know, plastic surgeon. Um, but I ended up joining a, a, a guy okay. that was purely aesthetic and did a lot of face stuff. And so I, I did, you know, I did a combination of facial aesthetics with him. And then I actually got it. I worked um, part-time at the county hospital where I trained and continued doing facial fractures there for years and thought I would always, you know, continue doing that. But the other practice side of my practice just got so large. I had to kind of dedicate my time towards that, uh, but it was, it was fantastic. It was fun. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So do you literally peel the skin off of the face down to the Not, muscle anyway? Or um, tell us about that. There are certain procedures. If you like, you know, if you are talking about brow lift, the classic brow lift, you are literally peeling the skin off of the bone. It's gotten a little. There's, it's a little more finesse now. Yeah, um, are you cutting it off at the hairline or something and peeling it down, or? Um, well, the old way of doing a brow lift was literally to cut from here to here and literally pull all that down, and so your entire skull <sighs> is. While is you're done. pulling, are you slicing? Mm -hmm. You're literally just cutting and lifting. We don't really do that what anymore. Are you, what are you cutting? Um, just the attachments of the of all that of the skin and muscle that are attached to the bone, and you're just cutting those away. <laughs> like I said, we don't do that too much anymore. That's kind of an older technique. It's a little it's more refined like now. You just make a couple a couple little cuts here, and you just kind of you do release them. Then you just kind of scooch things up a little bit. Uh, okay. Um, and a facelift, you're not even near the bone. I mean, you know, it's really you're just lifting up the skin, lifting up some of the tissue underneath, elevating it, and putting it back where it belongs. Yeah. So, were you artistic when you were younger? You know, no, no. And it's, it's funny because a lot of people, you know, a lot of people think you have to be an artist okay. to be a plastic surgeon. Okay. And, you know, I kind of joke and say, well, you know, I'm, really, I'm, I'm, I'm more of a, you know, a scientist than I an artist. You. I mean, yeah, okay. my entire educational mm -hmm. history is all science. Gotcha. Um, that's where I came from. You definitely have to have an artistic flair, but to be a good, a good plastic surgeon, you have to, you have to know what looks good, but you've just got to be technically facile and you have to just, you have to be very technically delicate. And, and that's really what matters. You don't have to be good at sculpting. You don't have to be good at drawing. You would be horrified if you saw me draw a picture <laughs> of somebody. It's literally stick figures. You don't do art at yeah. home. Huh? Right, exactly. So I do know what looks good, yeah, and I know how to do that on the body. I gotcha. Um, but that just that doesn't necessarily mean that that kind of translates into 
you know, drawing and, and sculpting. So when you look at a face, you can see the bone structure. You can see yeah. the yeah. where the opportunities right. lie. And you really do. You can. have to stay in your own lane. I mean, is there a, a lane you don't go into in dealing with um, with correction? You mean uh, like kind of like no go zones? Like yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, there are there are certain things. There are certain things you can't do. Okay. This is what you're referring to. I mean, like if somebody, like you don't liposuction the ankles. I mean, you know, people don't like okay. what they refer to cankles. Okay. And okay. there, you just can't do anything about that. Um, and there in this day and age, people think they can't believe that there's no treatment for like crepey or cellulite skin. There's not. I mean, there's just no technology. So these articles that. where all you have to do is these exercises yeah. and all your... Yeah, loose skin goes away. Right, it's I mean, just not there yet. Um, hopefully, one of these days, you know, there will be something for. That so, if you if someone did come in with with large legs, mm-hmm. do you first have to see whether it's it's swelling, water? Oh yeah, before for sure. you know, yeah. and even then, you say mm-hmm. you don't, you wouldn't be able to do anything, right? And 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 again, definitely, and that I mean, for me, since I do a lot of facial procedures. Um, lower eyelid puffiness, that's a real key thing. Some people just have puffiness. Um, that is, I mean, if you typical puffiness are little fat pads, that's what gives, that's what we refer to as bags. So in a lower eyelid surgery, you're actually trimming those little fat pads and get rid of the bags and that smooths everything out. That's great. That's, that's typically what we do. There are some people, they don't have fat pads. They just have general swelling of the lower eyelid and there's no way you can cut that out. That's okay. just kind of how they are. That's their and biology. Right. And if you don't recognize that and oh. you operate on them, you're not, you're not going to improve them. And if anything, you can make it worse because now you've cut into it and the swelling doesn't have anywhere to go and their swelling can be worse. So some of these, all of us have seen individuals that we say to ourselves, hopefully nobody says it to them. When did you not know how to say no on your lips? Yeah. Because they just get bigger and bigger mm-hmm. and bigger, and pretty soon it's all you see on a person. Right. Now, that was certainly not the intent of the patient. Yeah. How do you avoid getting getting caught into those types of things? Well, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, look at, you know, Michael Jackson in his nose, probably one of the most, you know, most referred to um, uh, individuals in plastic surgery. Okay. Obviously, he went to some of the best plastic surgeons in the nation, in the world. Um, the problem is, is going to too many of them. And really, that's just something that as a community, uh, we need to take it upon ourselves to, you know, put your foot down and and tell people no. I mean, that's the thing. And, and especially with celebrities. I mean, if you have a celebrity sitting in your office you want, you know, you want to help them. I mean, you're honored that they're seeing you. And, and we all in the back of our mind think, you know what, I can probably fix that. I can probably fix that. And then it ends up getting worse. Um, So I really don't come across that a lot. Um, You know, people coming in and having to turn them down, having too many, um, you know, too many faceless, but definitely, I mean, I'll, if somebody wants, and it really, a lot of it has to do with fillers and lips and cheeks. Okay. If they're already too full, I just tell them, you know what? No, you're, you're just not going to look natural. Uh, okay. And, and, and most patients, they're fine. You yeah. Know, they, or, or maybe they go somewhere else. So, <laughs> I don't know. So you're, you're talking about something that's very, very, very fundamental and powerful in ethics mm-hmm. and in common human decency. 
And yet that line is crossed in many, many, many different professions and with different individuals. And what I'm talking about is meaning. Mm-hmm. You, for, for whatever reason, you know when to draw the line. Mm-hmm. Even though you might be able to pick up another 50 grand by taking a shot at it, mm-hmm. what, what is it about you I don't know if it's in your guiding principles as a company or your sense of purpose as an organization. You obviously could be written up in Harvard Business Review for great leadership to have that kind of retention. Because mm-hmm. all the Gallup studies, I mean, that's what it's all about. If you Otherwise, right now, people last two to three years yeah. before they go to another job. And you've broken that record big time. So you've got a lot of inherent and maybe innate elements working for you. But I would like you to share with us, what is it about you and your practice that, that doesn't make it about money, but makes it about what's best for the person? Well, and, and again, that's what makes us unique is in, our, in what I do is there's, is there's money involved. You know, typically in medicine, you have insurance. Um, and so basically kind of, and this is a very common way of, of handling this. We don't want we don't want the patient to be worried I mean, when we're doing a consultation. The whole purpose of a consultation is information. Patient comes in, we discuss what's bothering that individual, what options are available, what's the procedure, what's the downtime, et cetera, et cetera. And so when they come in, they meet with my patient coordinator, and she kind of you know guides them through the process before we meet, and she lets them know don't you know. When you're done meeting with Dr. Maffey, then we'll meet and we'll go over the quotes because we don't want the patient to be sitting there thinking, oh, my gosh, he's recommending all this. How much is this going to cost? Sure. We just want them to almost kind of just just take in the information. Don't worry about that. You'll get the you know, you'll get the cost. And then when they go home, now they're fully informed. They know how much it's going to cost. They know what the procedures are. They know what the downtime is. Um, and it's I mean, there are some times where um and this is this is probably not a very good business <laughs> decision, but I mean, if somebody because everything's kind of listed, and if they literally just cannot afford to do the lower eyelids, but we're doing everything else, I'll just I mean I'll work with them because yeah, I just I really want them to look great. Yeah. Um. And so you have to, I mean to me I try and be flexible and really try and work with that individual to try and get them you know to a place where they're comfortable where they're going to be you know looking their best. Yeah. Yeah, and you do an excellent job on oh, that, thanks. by the way. Absolutely excellent. What what is the what is it that drives you to to be so good with your people and your patients? There's there's something that is is a fundamental law. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> like in my business, it's to raise the self esteem of every individual I come in contact with. Yeah, which then changes verbiage. It changes what I'm focused on. You know, and if I violate that, then I'm not growing into the higher version of myself. Mm-hmm. What do you think it is with you? And I don't know if you've ever, you know, articulated it or written it down, but you know there's something that keeps you bringing out the best in your patients, bringing out the best in your your staff, and probably your family. You yeah. know, you're not perfect, um, but what is th- what is that in you? Well, it, I mean, positive energy is kind of where it starts. Okay. Um, and it's interesting. If, I, I'll, if I'm if i in a bad mood and I come in the office, it just 
automatically just kind of trickles down and you can just see it, you know? Um, and I'm, and that's, <laughs> then you wonder what's wrong with that. I know exactly. <laughs> exactly. Why is he in a bad mood? Because you are. Um, so, but I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty positive person. And so that's usually kind of just built in and inherent. Okay. Um, and where'd that optimism come from? You know, I don't know. I, it's just kind of an innate thing. I mean, I've, you know, I've always been, you know, half full type individual rather okay. than half empty. Um, and I, I think the other thing too, that really my patients really appreciate is just listening, not just myself, but my whole staff. And, you know, I had a friend who always said, you know, people just, they just want to be heard and, and they do. And I've had patients that have come in and they have had a couple things that they're not happy with. And honestly, I, I can barely see what they're talking about. But mm. I mean, but I, you know, I tell them, you know what, I understand that that's bothering you. Let's work through this. It's not, you know, I, you know, and at maybe it's, and again, inform them that may or may not be fixable, but I've had people say, you know, at least thank you for acknowledging mm. that it's bothering me. Mm. And they're like, maybe I'm being neurotic or maybe I'm crazy. My husband thinks I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm being crazy, <laughs> but they just like the fact that they're being heard. Um, and that, and that's, and that's the thing is I'm a, you know, I love to talk, but I, I'm a good listener and, and my, that's why my support staff is so key. I I have a a nurse that's with me at all times. Same thing. She's extremely compassionate and she just, you know, she likes, you know, she'll just sit there and listen. Yeah. You've done a great job of surrounding yourself with with good people. That's for sure. Yeah. The, um, you know, I, I asked that question because people call me an eternal optimist. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, I've, I've enjoyed life since I popped out of the womb. I have difficulties. I have setbacks you yeah. know, and challenges. But I'm regardless of what I hear in the media, what the politicians are talking about, what's happening with the world, I'm a true believer that that's less than 10% of what's really going on yeah. in the world. Yeah. And yet we're bombarded with it. So people stare at it for 60 mm-hmm. minutes and that's right. all they talk about. Um. That was that was another thing that intrigued me about working with you and why I'm so excited you're on this podcast is because it's infectious. Mm-hmm. Your attitude is absolutely infectious. Just like you say, you got to be real careful not to leave the car until you ask yourself yeah. what's important here. Right. The fact that that guy slammed his brake on in front of me and mm-hmm. almost rear-ended him yeah. and I would have gotten the ticket. And and how Sorry. do you cuz this is this is good information right here as well. How do you go about taking that circumstance that caused this feeling of stress or anxiousness or whatever it may be or, or anger and being able to get back to the glass is half full? Well, you know what you know what sets that tone with me? And again, it goes back to the people because I will I'll start it. I'll come into the office. Everything is fine. And instantly it's just a bad day. I mean, just, I mean, just things aren't going well. Patients aren't happy. (laughs) And it's just, I mean, and it's, you know, beats you down. And I'll tell you, my team, and I don't think they're intentionally trying to do it, but they'll joke with me and they'll, they'll break that barrier. And then all of a sudden I'm back up again. And, you know, that's, you know, you have to realize reality not everyone's going to be thrilled not yeah. everyone's going to be happy um life is not going to you know the generator is going to go out all this yeah. you know, with their surgery center all kinds of stuff can happen and, i mean and just like life you've just got to take a breath step back 
and, you know, kind of move forward. Wow. Yeah. You know, one other thing I wanted to bring up and, uh, and that is that anyone out there thinking about the fact that, you know, I wonder what could be done with this part of me, um, whatever that part may be. And you're probably starting to feel really comfortable with this guy and recognizing that, wow, that may be worth a visit. Sit down and talk with him. Um, and one of the one of the elements that comes into play with that is, yeah, but then there's surgery. And then I end up, you know, in a hospital or I end up with these people I don't know. And all of a sudden I'm in a strange environment. Tell them what's unique about your, the way you handle that. Well, I'm pretty lucky because we have, um, we have a whole complex. So there's, um, there's probably about six or seven plastic surgeons offices in my complex and we have our own surgery center and it's a very private secluded um, atmosphere, not real sterile. Of course, you know, we want, it's very, um, we have, you know, very sterile. I mean, not scratch that. So, um, okay. anyway, it's very private, very secluded. Um, and the people that we hire, the nurses, the anesthesiologists, they are, they're really accustomed to a, the plastic surgical patient and they're really good about making them feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. They stay the night at an overnight recovery care center. And again, all the staff there, they really, they really tailor towards them. Um, sometimes I've, you know, I've seen this happen. If, if, you know, if you do, you know, if you do your plastic surgery in a hospital and they stay the night, um, you've got, you know, sometimes the nurses, they, um, they're trying to deal with someone who is recovering from a cancer surgery. And then they've got someone who's recovering from a facelift and it's just, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, but sometimes it's just a disconnect. Mm. And, um, and I mean, I, I think some of the, I, I think some of our patients want a little more TLC yeah, and, uh, and that's what they're given at our facility, yeah. which I think makes it really nice. Well, as, as a former patient, I, I, the only, you know what I was most dis disappointed in you, is they had the anesthesiologist put me out oh. <laughs> because it was such a great experience. And I was just loving the fact that I was being so well taken care of. Yeah. And I mean, all of us have a little bit of self-centeredness in us where mm -hmm. can you make it about me? Yeah. Because we've been with our kids all day or at yep. work or we're always taking care of other people. So it also has almost kind of a spa effect as well. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the, the second thing where you let me down is then I had to leave in the morning. <laughs> so I, uh, and, and people who know me know that I don't support people that are either mean spirited mm -hmm. or are doing things for the wrong reasons. Yeah. And, um, and to me, the right reasons are to create an environment where other people can succeed. Yeah. And that's what you've done. You have done that. And, and it, it manifests itself in the success of your practice. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that individuals that get to study under you are blessed as well and are probably those that were ever on the fence about, is this the field I really want to yeah. get into? You know, said, well, geez, if he's having so much fun, yeah. there must be something about it, right? What was that movie I'll have what she's having? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so... Um, what would, you, what would you like, you've been at this long enough that you know what some of the fears and trepidations are out there mm -hmm. and how some people can talk themselves out of it because I don't want to be seen as someone who right. would have done this. What would you share with them about that? Well, you know, and I'll tell you, and this is what I tell my patients, and 
this is no exaggeration. Every single patient that I've seen for facial surgery, they'd rather look aged than look done or overdone. I mean, it's just, mm. and, and that's the atmosphere of, of, of our community. I think that may be different in bigger areas such as New York and LA, but, um, but I tell them, you know, when you're dealing with human tissue, it's very hard to predict how things are going to turn out. Things settle, um, in different ways, you can get scarring, et cetera, et cetera. So I can't, there's not a lot of guarantees that I can give you, but there's one thing that I can definitely guarantee you are not going to look done or overdone. You are going to look natural. And it's, and again, it goes back to technique. Mm. It's the surgical technique. It's not really, it's not the artistic flair, even though that's very important. But if you get down to the basics, it's how you're doing that procedure. Mm. And there's no pulling. There's no tightening. That's not aesthetically pleasing. That's not normal. That's not natural. Wow. It's if, you know, if gravity caused things to fall down, we just want to lift them back up. So, and again, be refreshed. Now, going yeah. through an entire facelift, forehead lift, eyebrow lift, eyelid lift, that's a lot to just look refreshed, but that's the goal. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. That is the goal. And I tell people, don't, don't be deflated if nobody comments. It's, I mean, mm. to me, I think it's human nature that people are more inclined to comment negatively than positively. So if you have gone through all the surgery, paid all this money, had all this downtime, and you go back in, in public and no one says anything, that's good. Yeah, that's that's good. good. Yeah. If people say, huh, <laughs> <That's not laughs> good. what the hell happened what to you? <laughs> Who did your facelift? Not good. <laughs> not good. And, and again, I tell them, and, and it's true. It, these procedures are not designed to make you look younger. They're not. They will. Yeah. They're designed to make you look better for your age. And you mentioned bone structure earlier. I mean, you really have to look at that hmm. and really kind of know what, what they can expect. Okay. And I tell people of anything, you're going to get your natural features back because when things get heavy, you can't see all your natural uh, features. So when you lift them, you're getting your neck structure, your cheek structure, your jawline structure, all that stuff is, is kind of back to, you know, a place where you can appreciate it more. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, I've got to ask this. Have, have you, you've must've had an experience where it didn't go the way you wanted it to go. Oh Yeah. How did that, how did that, how did you deal with that? It's, you know, it's stressful. I've done that. I've, I've had that happen on, you know, different parts of the body. Um, typically, you know, I do a lot of, I do a lot of, you know, people who have had facelifts in the past Okay. and you never know what you're going to get into. And uh, I have been done, done before you got mm -hmm. there. And so you never kind of, you know, you, 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 it's typically pretty straightforward, but I have gotten into a situation where the anatomy is completely destroyed and oh. you just, you have to make a decision on the spot, on the table how far am I going to take this? Because if I keep going, cause I think I can, I can make her look good and I cut a nerve. That's a problem. Oh boy. Okay. Um, and so really it's just, <clears throat> and are I, nerves easy to see? Uh, no, no, not if not, if they're surrounded in a lot of scar tissue, you oh. can't even see them. Oh, okay. So you just have to basically, you know, make that decision because obviously, and then someone's eye drops yeah, or right. whatever. I mean, the number one, the number one goal is safety. You know? I gotcha. I mean, okay. do no harm. I mean, that's, yeah, you know, right. that's you Hippocratic know, exactly that, that applies to everybody that applies to us as well. Um, don't ever push and I tell the residents, don't ever push the envelope one step further because you think you're going to get that much better of a result. And now you have a bad problem. Wow. Well, you just shared with us your meaning. 
do no harm. Yeah, exactly. You come in with a bad attitude, yeah. you're doing harm, right? Yeah. Thank goodness exactly. you have a support staff that yes. can kind of smack you around a little yeah, bit exactly. and remind you, <laughs> hey, do. what are you doing? We're supposed to be enjoying this. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, wow. It, I've got so many so many more questions for you that uh, time just does not allow. Yeah. Um, I want to... Um, I want to wrap it up with <clears throat> many, many people don't quite understand the power of their own thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, in my practice, I use a statistic that less than 1% of people know how they think. 99% of people just think about what's ever on their mind. Mm. Interesting. And so what happens is the circumstance becomes the reality instead of them bringing their reality to the circumstance. And that's the difference. You know, W. Clement Stone back in the 30s was an inverse paranoid. And he believed the universe was conspiring to do him good. He was an industrialist, multimillionaire Mm -hmm. in the 30s. And every morning when he'd wake up, his first thought was something remarkable is going to happen today. (laughs) So what's he looking for all day long? And then when something went wrong, instead of going what a lot of people do, well, so much for that idea, Yeah, he'd go, what am I to learn from this? And the reason you're sitting here outside of the fact you were gracious enough to say yes um, is because that's who I see in you. I see someone who comes from a scientific perspective, which sometimes can, can turn into a less than... Um, thrilled attitude about life mm-hmm. because it's also black and white. Right. And yet life has got so many grayers in it, especially when you're dealing with people. But you you just have something magical about you that that's why I asked you to be in this. And when and when you first first I thought, well this guy is so darn busy. You know, there's no way he's going to be able to want to do this. But this is where You'd already won me over, but this is where it was like, this guy is really special because you said, huh, what would it be like? And as I explained it to you, you go, that sounds like fun. Yeah. And then we set this time and here we are. So I am, I know why you're so successful. I know why your people stay. Mm -hmm. And um, I get the real truth from your wife. I've had a talk with her. Do you have children? We do. We have an 18-year-old daughter who's getting ready to go to college, and we have a 16-year-old boy. All right. He's going to be a junior in high school. Beautiful. Yep. Beautiful. Are they they pretty excited about school as well? Or oh yeah, taking yeah. after yep. the yeah. My daughter, my wife's a gynecologist, so my daughter is okay. thinking you know the medical track. So all right. Yeah. 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 And my son's a hockey player, so who knows what he's doing? <laughs> yeah, right. Of that's course, good. He's, he's still dreaming. Yeah, that's great. Which is great. That's great. Yeah. Um, do you have any final words you'd like to say to the listeners before we wrap things up? No, and you know, and you've been so incredibly gracious and complimentary and, um, and it's, I mean, a lot of, throughout my entire career, when I was a medical student, when I was a resident in practice, people would say, you know what? You're just too nice. You're too nice. And that, that always infuriated me because, you know, I'm not trying to be nice. I'm empathetic and I'm sympathetic Mm -hmm. and I listen. And that's, that's what makes me, me. I mean, if I've got somebody who's not happy or they've got a certain circumstance, I always try and put myself into their situation and think, you know what, how do I want to be treated? Mm -hmm. And if that's being nice, then that's being nice. But I don't want to be Mr. Nice guy. 
I want to be someone who's realistic, who's in this with you together as a team. Yeah. Yeah. Very so, nice. Yeah. Very nice. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> Not to be punny here. But, yeah. Um, but I can, I can tell everybody out there, though, that I, I have in our conversation, you haven't been afraid to say no. This is what's going on. Yeah. You know, to, to, to be transparent enough to help me recognize that my perception wasn't based on the truth. It was based on something I'd made up in my own mind mm-hmm. about how something looked. So this must be going on. And, and, and part of the other element that I think you've, you've taught in the work that you do is importance of patience and how patient we need to be with mm-hmm. our recovery. Right. Yes. You know, and when sometimes here it's going to take six, eight months before you really get to see how great of a job this is. Mm-hmm. But I'll be with you along the way right. if I need to make a little tweak so we can get that end result. Um, it's something that we can all practice is, is that sense of being patient. Right. Um, and that's probably why they came up with the name for doctors who are visiting and working with people, calling them patients. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So it's a good omen for all of us. And the other element is do no harm. Mm-hmm. So I like to find out what the meaning is behind why people operate the way they do. Um, And it's been a real pleasure. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. I'm I'm glad and grateful. And I thank all of you for listening. Um, You can be tuning into anything you've chosen to tune into this. And and if you have any comments or you want to get a hold of uh, Dr. Maffey, um, tell us the name of your clinic. It'll be in the information. Oh, Maffey Clinics. Maffey Clinics. Clinics, yep. So M A F F I. Exactly. All right. Yes. And it's uh, out in Scottsdale, great place to visit. And uh, your life will be even more exciting than it currently is as a result of this man. So remember this no matter what's going on in your life, remember you are exactly where you need to be right now. And the difference is going to be not in the circumstance that you're confronting but how you confront the circumstances. So thank you again. It's thank been a you. pleasure. and um, I really enjoyed it. Thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful and look forward. Maybe we'll do it again down the road. Yeah, definitely. For sure. All right. Thank you. Take care, everybody. Thanks. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, we ask that you please subscribe and share with your friends and associates. In our next episode, Larry recaps the highlights of our last three episodes. Dave Sanderson's Part 1 and Part 2 insights on how life changes when you give up on being so judgmental. Proximity is power and that the meaning you give something produces the emotion you live with. Dr. Terry Maffey's practice of acting upon. It's not what the doctor wants for you, but what you want from the doctor that's most important. Larry also dives into the ease of decision-making in one's life when they know what they stand for and that it's not the circumstance that creates our life, but the life that we've created that we bring to the circumstance. You won't want to miss this one.